0: Welcome to, Welcome to Not the Worst Pastors podcast with my dad Matt and his friend James talking about real
1: relevant things
0: and sharing stories. Welcome to Not the Worst Pastors Wives podcast. This is this is James Gomez, pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and I'm here with my wife Michelle, who's going to be taking over my microphone in just a few moments. And we're with Matt Coyne, pastor at Rollins Church in Manton, Michigan. He'll be handing his microphone over to his lovely bride, Brittany, in just a few moments. But We've got a special episode for you today. Matt, do you have any comments before we turn it over? Well, so hopefully you've already heard the last episode. If you haven't heard the last episode, do us a favor. Go back to listen to that first. Because James and I talk about what these two are about to talk about on a personal level. So that's the only thing I have to say about it.
1: Perfect. All
0: right, here we go. So I think it was cute that they thought we were going to have some sort of planned conversation map. They allow themselves to just randomly externally process all of their thoughts for however long it takes for them. And they thought we were going to have this all planned out. So um, I definitely did not plan it out. I think I, I put some mental space away to think about what I would like to say to anybody and everybody who was maybe listening to this message. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to end up talking to Michelle for 17 years if I do any of that at all. So um, I think our plan was to just kind of organically see how this conversation unfolds, talking about how anxiety has affected each of us differently. We're both in different seasons of... Life, Michelle, you've got your three kids who are grown and now just recently all out of your house. Um, I've still got two young kids that I homeschool here with me all day. Um, So we're in different seasons and I've experienced lifelong diagnosis of mental health issues. Yours was not diagnosed until later in life. So I think this will be a great conversation for us to have about how we've both experienced mental health issues differently and also how we have experienced it through the lens of the church, because I think that is also a, a difference that we may have had and for me, it's been different in each church. So I don't know if you want to get started. They haven't heard your voice yet. I'm doing all the nervous talking.
1: So I I was thankful you were doing the nervous talking. Um I just heard a few moments ago that I should give a summary of the earlier me until now. Um probably best I didn't get to think about it too long. Um I looking back, I've had anxiety, depression, my entire life just didn't realize it. And I specifically at the age of second grade didn't know I was having panic attacks, but I was having panic attacks. And I didn't, my parents, we all thought there was something that could be better. But it always, when we would go to the doctor, always became, well, let's check her stomach for an ulcer. Let's check her heart for irregular heartbeats. And it was not ever even talked about until I was, I believe, in my 20s that they said, you may have anxiety. And then it was the stigmatized, do you take meds? Don't take meds. And then I met James and this is like fast forward I I still continued to struggle and once I met James and we went to the seminary well then I really started to learn about scripture okay. and in there I was conflicted by the verse do not be anxious about anything but instead pray and Then I started to have a a lot of doubt in my feelings, even more so than I had before. I ended up meeting a pastor at a fieldwork church who I was going to be confirmed Lutheran. And so I was taking classes in the evening, and he had a time where we could sit down and ask him any type of question. And my number one question was, I don't know what to do with this information. I don't know if I can be confirmed because I cannot not be anxious. I cannot, I, I've, I've prayed, I've done all the things. I, it right. it's, I can't, it can't stop. And we were standing in just random church hall. And he said, God has also given intelligent people to make things that will help those chemicals in your brain. And it would be foolish to not use those tools that he's also provided and that was in my twi- you know mid 20s and that is when i started to become more consistent with my mental health practice tools strategies and then once i knew what it was it d- it didn't take away from the difficult times but it did help me know what to work on and focus through and then not stay stagnant in that valley of, of bros. So that's where I'm coming from at this moment. And then after that, from the medication and the tools and well, now I have like a whole nother 20 years of how I've gone from there to here also. So I have a quite a wide range of experiences.
0: There's so much good in that. And, you know, Michelle, when Matt came to me and said, hey, James and I had this conversation, I think it was today. It was the day that they had recorded. He said, but at the end of it, we felt kind of icky about having the conversation and not being mental health professionals, or actually it's not something that we personally suffer from, but we, we watch people we care about the most struggle with it. Would you be willing to talk about it? The anxious part of me was like, absolutely not. What's wrong with you? But the the really desperate, loving part of me who watches my now not quite nine-year-old daughter also struggle with anxiety at the same age that I began struggling with anxiety, that part of me jumped at the opportunity to say, we need to talk about this because When I struggled with this as a child and a preteen, teenager, even into my early adulthood, it was still not talked about or it was talked about with such negativity that that did not help the coping skills that I was trying to hone in on and really use to my mental health benefit. And I do not want the same hurdle for my daughter to have to overcome. So it is a regular conversation in our house. Literally every night when we put our girls to bed, I ask them the same four questions every single night to the point that our youngest is like, yes, please quit (laughs) asking me. (laughs) I ask them, are you healthy? Are you happy? Do you feel safe? And do you know how much we love you? because I need to check in not just on their physical wellness, but also their emotional wellness, their mental wellness, their spiritual wellness. All of those things are important when you have a holistic approach to really caring for yourself. So I wanted to talk about it because it's not something that is always talked about politely. So for my story it was the same age so i find it interesting that you said it was about second grade
1: that you were really noticing and it was starting to I, come out i remember to this day the specific incident and i can feel all the feels still yes. and i was from that from that very day yes so
0: what i've experienced over 30 years of dealing with my own mental health journey I, w- I would like to pause before I share it. I'm sure my husband is going to be like, you guys have a time limit, so wrap it up here. But I feel the need to put a disclaimer on this. If you are someone who is listening to this podcast, please know that none of us who you hear on this podcast are mental health professionals. And any kind of mental health experience that you would be having is individual to you. So if you need help, please seek professional help. And know that our story is likely not your story because that's the the diff- the most difficult part for me about mental health challenges is that it manifests differently in each individual. It is as unique as a fingerprint. There are diagnostic tools that a mental health professional can say these things are commonalities, but it will look differently. None of our limbic systems are working the way that they would if we were all healthy, but it manifests differently in each of us. So if you are someone who is struggling with mental health, please do not use this Not the Worst Pastors podcast as your diagnosing tool or as your help, like Michelle said, from the pastor who she talked to. there are We have been so blessed with people who that is their specialty, that is within their gifting and their training. Please seek help from them um, so that you can start feeling better. Okay. So that's my disclaimer. I find it interesting that it was about the same age because that is also the same age that I started seeing it in our daughter. I was also around eight years old when I had the clinical diagnosis. But what I have experienced through my let's circle back through my decades of, of dealing with mental health issues is that they're almost always not exclusive. If you have one, you likely have it coupled with some variety of another. It is usually maybe a little touch of depression and severe anxiety. For me, it is obsessive compulsive disorder with anxiety. Um, so my compulsions were actually what had triggered the diagnosis I we had experienced a death in the family somebody who was very close to me and I was so stuck on germs at that point and that still to this day decades later is my number one trigger my mom noticed it we were at the Heinz History Center in Pittsburgh as a little kid and I wouldn't touch any of the elevator buttons I wouldn't open doors I Wouldn't touch anything public because other people touched it and they had germs, and I could catch the germ and die. And at that point, you're operating, if you are under the age of 25, physiologically, you do not have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. So, the part of your brain that helps you make good decisions and helps control that limbic system or the part of your brain that has emotional responses is not fully developed. Anyway, so you've got this immature brain who is trying to process really heavy things that even now in my mid-30s, I don't process well because it was never firing right, trying to make a decision about what was healthy for me and not. So that was the triggering moment that it was like my limbic system, the part of my brain that registers emotion and reactions Is always in fight or flight mode. I register every event that is in front of me as a threat, as a danger, and I need to fight or flight. So I have physical, emotional, mental responses accordingly. Now that I am in my 30s and I have the blissful enjoyment of a fully developed brain, I can logically say to myself, after years of learning other coping techniques and things like that, I can logically say to myself, this is not a dangerous situation, but my limbic system still is having a response. So even though I can logically say this situation that is right in front of me is not a threat, this is not a danger, you are not needing to fight or flight, my brain is not wired to respond in any other way. So... My triggers were germs. That was what had had really tipped off my family that mm, something's not right. So I started going through counseling. Um, I'll give the the quick script version of my decades of experience here. I did counseling. I was it was unsuccessful. I had struggled with some eating disorders after that because it's all about control. It's about trying to find some sort of thing I can control to help tunnel all of those extra thoughts that go on in a brain that is overstimulated with not being able to process feelings. I was eventually medicated in my teens. And at that point you actually should not be it, it at the time. I don't know if it's changed at the time. The medication I was prescribed was not meant to be prescribed to somebody under 25 because it causes suicidal thoughts, Um, I did have that experience. That medication made me want to end my life. That is scary Um, in any situation. I am quite thankful that I was self-aware enough that I was able to call my family and say, hey, something's not right. I I need somebody to come and get me. Um, And they did. And I saw a different doctor and changed medication again. And I've had a love-hate relationship with anxiety medication. Sometimes it just makes me feel not myself. And I've been able to work with my healthcare providers to taper off medication when I'm in a good mental space and get back on it when I need to. Um, I have had to rely on my husband on occasion to bring me back. If I don't notice that I'm starting to spiral, I rely on him to say, hey, uh, that is not your typical behavior, we need to rewind a little bit. So um, it it sounds like I, like you, Michelle, have run through the gamut of these are different coping techniques. These are different things that you can apply to your own mental health, know your triggers and avoid them. Find sort of a, a way that you can get in a good, clear mental space. And I know we didn't plan this out, but this is kind of organically what came up in my thought process when we're talking about that is In addition to medication, there are a lot of other self-care coping things that you can do to bring you into a place of good mental health. But as a Christian woman in today's culture, I have found personally that it is difficult to skate that thin line between what is self-care and what is selfish and that has been very difficult for me to find balance in my coping. So I'm wondering if maybe that is something you would like
1: to talk about. One thing that I do talk to others about is when it comes to medication. I I in my opinion feel when you're first going through the deep dark depths of depression that has found you in the place that you know you know you need help i strongly urge people to get professional help for medication because it's extremely difficult to learn coping skills and strategies and put them into play when your brain is misfiring all over the place 100% uh, agree yes so you know i have adult children so i don't want to call each of them out on on that but through through our lives as a as a parent watching our children i always had in my head if it starts to interrupt whatever your you know depression anxiety ocd any of those adhd add which i also could go on forever about what i'm learning about add and adhd mm-hmm. when it starts to interrupt your daily life in a negative way that is when you need to seek help. And so we have put that into practice as parents. But until, and when you're young, when you're a young child, medication isn't necessarily where you start. But as you age and as you've lived with these thoughts, feelings, and I don't know what other, you, you need to give your brain a moment of rest and a moment of of respite so that it can learn and really dig into those skills. So that as you progress and maybe do want to or are able to wean off of a medication, you've had time to practice those things in a healthy, in a healthy manner. So that's my thoughts on the self-care tool aspect of mental health. When James asked if I wanted to talk about this, I, I, I instantly said, yes, because this is very important to me. But then I started to think about it and I got very nervous. I would really love to hear an outside third party perspective on how they perceive me when they see me out in the world doing the things I'm doing. And then I would like to tell them all the things it took for me to get to that moment because my brain is like a hundred tabs open at any one time. And the feelings in your body of anxiety and the repeating of the conversations you've had, like all the things that go into my daily life still now. I am what you would call... They have a term for people that are living with anxiety but you really don't notice it like is it an active anxious person or whatever. I think most people would never believe how much is going on inside of me as I go through as I go through my daily activities. I I often think that people with anxiety, depression, any of those mental health conditions are the strongest people I've ever known because it's a daily, sometimes second-by-second second fight to just do the next thing. And some people may misunderstand this or hear it differently than I'm about to say it, but there have been times, and I'm like getting choked up, where I, it has been so hard. And I almost wish that I had something as extreme as cancer, because it's a smaller like this has been my whole life. It's and it sometimes it's exhausting. Well, a lot of times it's exhausting, and sometimes I wish there was more of a a start and a beginning that hasn't expanded. I'm like forty seven years old, like. And if it started at second grade, that's a really long, That's a really long time. So I always, when people are finally courageous enough, not finally, but courageous enough to say, I need help, I like to acknowledge their courage. And you had said something earlier about wanting to make this more acceptable to talk about with your children. And now I work in a, in a school now, and what we're noticing is that kids are becoming more comfortable and courageous to ask for help. The issue now is that those of us living in the previous generation have still lived under that stigmatized version of anxiety and depression so kids are courageous among one another and maybe a trusted adult in their life but there are several households where still we need a little work and i think it's because parents don't know what to do it's very it's frightening when you see your kids struggling with some of these things and i could see where you would just want to say Just get over it and not deal with it because it is a lot of hard work. We've been through it with our children. And the biggest takeaway I have in dealing with mental health with our children is in one of our children, we noticed something very early. And so we started counseling very early. And I remember watching my child one day working on we did some immersion therapy and I remember watching my child and being very jealous because my child was young, like six. And I'm seeing these coping skills and strategies being put into their life so much so that it was just natural. And like if if only, if only I could have done that at six, what could I do now? But then also I think, well, because I've been through this whole gamut, I have empathy and I see things and I hear how people say things and I know what they mean without saying it. And I can maybe get into that little crevice and say, it's okay to ask for help or I hear you and I support you in figuring out what we can do. And that's where I'll stop for now. What do you got to say? (laughs) This has been part one of Not the Worst
0: Pastor's Wives podcast, talking about mental health. Thanks for joining us this
1: week. We've got part two coming up next week.